What's up, Hogland Nation? You know we gotta tell you about Mr. T's Tuxedos. Do you or someone you know have a wedding, formal, prom, or big event coming up soon? Well, lucky for you, we have you covered. Mr. T's Tuxedos has the best suits and tuxedos in the area, and will have you looking your best for your big day. With their main store located in Minersville, PA, they also offer fitting services located in Center City, Philly, as well as on-site fittings at your preferred location. Make sure to mention that Hogline sent you when you visit in-store or reach out with an inquiry. To take a look at their catalog and for more information on all that Mr. T's Tuxedos has to offer, visit MrT'sTux.com. That's M-R-T-S-T-U-X.com. And remember, you only have one shot at looking your best. Be sure to take it with Mr. T's Tuxedos. What's going on, Hogline Nation? Welcome back to the Hogline Podcast. I am your host, Mitchell Manis, alongside co-host Jack. And today, you are listening to the 145th episode of the podcast. Welcome in, folks. Welcome back. I Hello. never know. I never know what it is. Do you, do you know on top of your head, or do you look before? Sometimes I know. Sometimes I look it up and verify ahead of time. But this time, I... I knew beforehand, I just double-checked with looking it up. So it is the 145th episode of the podcast, and five more until we're at 150, another milestone in our uh, tenure during this podcast over the past three and a half years or so. Yeah, three. And yeah, but today, as you can tell from the title of the episode, we have some bizarre sports stories for you that we really think you're going to enjoy when we heard about these, we were were shocked and we're like, we have to know more and we have to tell Hogline Nation about them. Yes. Because, I mean, these are just absolutely absurd. And we, we took a deep dive into them, similar to our player profile episodes. We did a lot of research on them. And so we have two stories that, that we, we kind of researched together that we, that we um, came across a couple weeks ago. And then Jack and I each have selected our own uh, story that we don't know, and we're going to present it to the other one and to the listeners here. So four stories in total, and it, like I said, they are, they are surely, they surely will not disappoint is what I'm trying to say. So Unless they disappoint. I, I don't I don't know how they could, especially... <laughs> I don't think they will. Yeah, yeah, you're I right, mean, you're right, you're right. The second one is the craziest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I don't even know how that happened. Like... Imagine if something like that happened today with all like the, the with social yeah. media and all the media attention like that would and there's no I like I wish there was video of it but yeah right well, well let's just do you want us to start with that one mm, I kind of want to save it for a second all right fine we'll save it for a second then all right go to the first one all right so our first bizarre sports story has to do with the two thousand. Spanish Paralympic basketball team. Yes. And you may be thinking, why do we care about that? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us, Jack. Why Why should they care about it? Well, Spain won gold. Yes, they did. They, they won it handily. In the intellectually disabled basketball tournament during the Olympic 2000 Summer Olympic Games. The Paralympic Games, yes. Sorry, Paralympic. 
Um, but they cheated and weren't disabled. Yeah. That's the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, so in the 2000 Paralympics, which were held in Sydney, Australia, the, the Paralympics already had a, a number amount of PED controversies, and then this just added on to the scandals that that uh, that were, you know, associated with the Paralympics. But as Jack said, uh, the team was not. And this is an intellectually disabled tournament. They they called yes. it ID basketball or basketball ID. I think the mm-hmm. the actual event is called. So it's important to make that the distinction. This is not wheelchair basketball, or this right. this is intellectually disabled basketball. And we will get into like. I don't know. I don't know if you came across this, but I came across what the criteria usually is to meet mm-hmm. that. Um, but as Jack alluded to, ten out of the twelve members on the Spanish team were not disabled. Yep. So. <laughs> uh, so they won gold, as we said. It came out that later that they. Won- Do you know? Like, actually, I didn't even look. Like, what was the score of the games? I I, I did find right. a little bit about that. Okay, we'll talk about how. Like, well, what do you have about that? Well, first, before I get to that, I wanted to just provide a little bit more context. So okay, go. In 1996, which was the the Paralympics before this one, uh, the IPC, which is the International Paralympic Committee, that's when they started allowing individuals with intellectual disabilities to participate in the games and be eligible for like the full medal status before i i I mean i believe i believe it was just like physical disabilities right okay so it was relatively recent right time that right just just the the four years before in the previous game so that's when they first started for first started (laughs) for doing that but you know people quickly found you know ways to cheat the system so you know they eventually did went away with that temporarily which i will get we will get into at the end of this story um but in order to qualify, we'll, we'll touch on that real quick. I, I believe this is probably what you came across, but they had to take an IQ test was the main you know, mm-hmm. requirement and it had to be below 75. Correct. Now, um, they simply didn't take the IQ. Like they, they didn't administer the IQ test. Like they didn't take any IQ test. Right. I'm just, sure they just, they probably covered it up somehow though. I didn't really see. what up? Like, they didn't actually take the test, but they had to like they bypassed it somehow. I guess so, right? You right. would have to assume, or else you know they, they didn't either that or like, the the background checks were not very thorough. Well, they simply didn't take the test, uh, which was admitted by his name is Carlos Ribagorda. Ribagorda, do you have that name down? Yes, but um, he was on the team. He was on the team, yeah, and he told the a Spanish business magazine, a Spanish business business magazine called Capital. That most of his teammates had not undergone medical tests to ensure they had the disability. Um, well, do you know? I have a decent amount about him. Do you know what like his main deal was, though? He no. was a player on the team, but he was he was an undercover journalist. So he was kind of like a, a mole uh, okay. on the team. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. I could be wrong. I could be mistaken. But that's what I read from. I mean, it said he was undercover journal- journalist and a member of the team. Okay. He said they didn't take the tests, but like, w- a more foolproof way to cheat couldn't they just like bomb the IQ test? Right. I feel like that would have. They didn't think that through. 
I mean, um, I guess they just didn't even want to do that, and somehow they they bypassed it, and yeah, and you know somehow covered it up, and yeah, or whatnot. <laughs> so the Spanish team obviously rolled through the competition. They yeah. were uh, they five games. I think it's like a group stage where you played three games, and then you go on to the you know the the semifinals and the finals matchups. They played five games in total, went five and zero. Oh, clearly, they had the most points for in the whole group. And they have the least points against in the whole group, and they have an, they had an average margin of victory. Guess what it was for each game? Yeah, total for the whole tournament. Oh, so f- over five games? Yes. A hundred? No, not that much. Oh. It was only like thirty-four. Okay. Yeah. But 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 to but to go off of that, uh, what's that guy's? I I forgot. Carlos R I B A G O R D A Ribagorda. 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 I I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, he said in I guess part of his whistleblowing uh tack or whatever he did. You know yeah. when he blew the whistle on the team and he he and himself. You know, and himself, right. yes. <laughs> um but if it was if that was his intentions the whole time, I guess he had a noble cause, I guess. Sure. I don't know. But he said that this is I don't know if you, you saw this as well, but he said during halftime one of the games they were up by 30 points and the coach told them to not play as well in order to not draw suspicion to that this was their plan all uh-huh. along. So he, they were literally told, like, hey, guys, like, take your foot off the gas a little bit. Like, wow. we don't want people to get suspicious here. Yeah. So Which, their motive behind cheating... Yeah, like, I do have that as well, but... I don't really have... Like, I just thought... What I read is that they want just wanted to gain a medal and also gain more sponsorship. So maybe this was, like, financially... Uh, induced like they would get i mean i guess you get some kind of compensation for meddling in this uh i don't know what do you have about that specifically no that that's pretty much it but i i just so ribagorda claimed that this is a long name of an organization but the spanish federation of sports people with intellectual disabilities the (laughs) f-e-d-d-i um they purposely covered up this like you said, to win more medals, to gain more media exposure, and to gain more, like, I guess just draw attention to it. Okay. You know what I mean? So wow. Well, they, 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 they clearly did. We're, we're, talk, we're talking about it 21 years later. Because um, uh, it's just absolutely wild. So, aftermath-wise, um, due to the difficult, difficulty in determining the eligibility of these athletes, of the intellectually disabled athletes, uh, the IPC suspended all official sporting activities involving intellectual disabilities um, after the 2000, Olympic, 2000 Paralympic Games. Uh, I have here in February of 2003, the IPC attempted to create a revised system in testing these athletes, I assume, but they failed to do that. So in the following Paralympics in 2004, which was Greece, Athens, I believe, um, is it held in the same place as the regular Olympics? I don't know that. Okay. Um, well, anyway, they failed to make the revised thing in 2003. So in 2004, uh, the events still didn't have... There were no events of learning disabilities there. Um, 2012, it came back. Yeah. So shortly after that, they began to reintegrate learning disability events into IPC events. And they stated that after the 08 Paralympics, they would reevaluate learning disability participation. And then in November of 09, the ban was lifted and the IPC held a series of sports intelligence tests to confirm 
learning disabilities, which includes um, they would involve have some like an established IPC committee reviewing each athlete's medical file and then a separate panel appointed by the athlete's sports governing body that then tests the athlete on the site of the event. And those test scores will be compared to, quote, minimal disability scores in that sport, which I feel like should have already, like, <laughs> essentially they just, like, made a committee to review each athlete, which I feel like should have already been in place. Yeah, that like, seems like basic criteria <laughs> to me. I, I don't know. But uh, the first event then to have athletes with learning disability again was in the 09 IPC Swimming European Championships. Right. So, okay. I guess the 2012 Paralympic first, Games was the right. first time they reintroduced the Paralympics, that. but they held, yeah, IPC held events with learning disabilities in 09, late 09. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much what happened afterwards. And, uh, you're, you're really right. I mean, how do you, how does that not just the, what you, the first thing you think of in, ter- in terms of verifying these, <laughs> yeah. these athletes? So, uh, I also, I mean, I try to look up famous athletes that have been Paralympics. There's not many, but there's one that's obvious that we both know. Uh, it's Jamal Charles. He actually did it though, right? That wasn't like a was no, that it's was true. a real yeah, story. He had okay. a, a learning disability, a reading disability, a learning disability when he was I don't know. I didn't look into this him specifically, specifically, um, but it made me think more of like uh, how much does a learning disability impact your physical ability? to compete because like James, Jamal Charles was a Paralympic athlete with a learning disability, but then went on to be one of like the best NFL athletes. So I don't, but again, you said I didn't look into the like Spain's how dominant they were in this Paralympics and they were dominant as you outlined. So I guess there must be some kind of difference but I, I feel like it wouldn't affect the outcome as much as it did. You know? Yeah. I don't know. But it did. It's hard to tell. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the only other thing I have on this is that the the president of the... Um, IPC? No, no, no. The F-E-D-D-I. Oh, okay. Uh, Fernando Martin Vin- Vincent... I think that's how you pronounce his name. That's the, he at first denied the allegations, but then after it came out, he was like, "Yeah, this happened. I'm resigning." So <laughs> he uh, he took full responsibility and he 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 resigned shortly after it came out. So yeah, yeah pretty pretty wild stuff. Um, all right, so that's story number one for you guys. Pretty pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, but if you think that was crazy, I personally think this is even crazier, to be honest. So, so I guess the back, uh, the origin of how we found this out was we were we were we were recently took a trip to the the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, yes. and uh, we were in the car looking up sports trivia questions, and we came across this one, and the question read: Frank Hayes was the first jockey to. First blank jockey to win a horse race. That was the question. And right. I think the an- the, the answers, answers like it was multiple choice. It was blind, deaf, something else, and dead. Dead. 
And we're like, okay, he's not dead. That doesn't make any sense. Obviously, that's the first one you rule out, right? Wrong. He is dead. The first dead person to win a horse race. Now, I immediately thought, once we found out that was the answer, and before we looked it up, that like maybe he came in second in a race and then like the it came out maybe like a week or like a year later that the first place finisher like was disqualified and then Frank Hayes was like given the title of like the winner but he was like dead in the meantime but no he actually died like during, during the, the race. race yeah what that seems to be what a mo- more logical explanation to this yes, but no yeah. So let's give a let's give the let's give Hoglin Nation a little bit of context here. So Frank Hayes, as we mentioned, he was born in 1901. So we're going back 120 years for this. Mm-hmm. Never won a horse race before in his whole career, and in fact, he wasn't even he wasn't even a jockey. He he started out as a stableman and a horse trainer, and he kind of was just thrown into this. I guess last minute, right? Mm-hmm. So June 4th, 1923. So he's 22 years old. You know, my age. He's he's racing in this horse race. He's never won before. I, I I believe he doesn't have much experience in it either. The horse he was riding on the on the day was named Sweet Kiss. And they were only a 21, 20 to one odds to win the race. I don't know where that stood in the field, but it's certainly um, not the favorite. Yeah, not the, right, yeah. All right. So you make horse odds. I I, I don't <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So during the race, Hayes is doing pretty well. And he, all of a sudden, he has a heart attack yeah. on the horse, and he dies during the race. But his body remained on the saddle of the horse when the when Sweet Kiss, the name of the horse, crossed the finish line. And he's the only known person to ever die during the race and won it. Um, and it, no one knew that he died, really, until after... So the owner of the horse and the, the officials of the race came over to, to the finish line or around there to congratulate him, and that's when they discovered he was dead. They didn't even notice that he was dead. So, I, I can't even yeah. imagine this. Like, this guy's dead body is laying on the horse as he's... Go- like that. What if that happened to the, the Kentucky Derby or something like that? Yeah, Think about, know. like, that would be... That would be talked about for years. <laughs> Centuries. And, I mean... I. I, I know you didn't do as much research about this one, so do you know why like they speculate maybe he had a heart attack? Uh, yeah, because he was trying to reach the weight requirement to like right. I guess there was a weight requirement. Is there still a weight requirement? I don't know. Um, but I see here that it was re- a newspaper reported he had slimmed down from 142 pounds to 130 pounds in very short time. I read 24 hours. 24 hours? That's not possible. That's not possible. Well, that's probably hours. why he died. I don't even know how, like, you got to get, I don't even know how, maybe, yeah, uh, he, like, lost all fluids, uh, yeah. I think he, like, de- dehydrated himself on purpose and did all this Jeez, other crazy stuff. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, maybe it wasn't 20, 12, 24 hours, but probably 24 to 48 hours, something Jesus, like that. Yeah. Um, And t- keep in mind, since this was so long ago, 100 years ago nearly, some of the reports are kind of, it's not 100%. I mean, the guy did die. That did happen. But the circumstances involving it may be a little bit off. Um, just want to put that disclaimer out there. I actually mm-hmm. read in some report that Hayes was not 22, but he was in his 30s. Mm-hmm. So that is also, you know, a little bit uncertain. But most most 
sources I came across had him at, at around 22, so in his early early 20s. Um, but have you ever heard the expression "the sweet kiss of death"? Yeah. Well, it comes from this because right. that yeah. the, the the horse named Sweet Kiss was nicknamed the Sweet Kiss of Death. Sweet Kiss of Death after this right um, tragic event, and the horse never raced again. Yep. So, because I'm sure people thought it was cursed or something like that. Right. So pretty crazy stuff. I mean, when we came across that trivia question, I'm like, how? Like that doesn't even make any sense. That has right. to be a mistake. So. I don't know. And Hayes, the last thing I have on this one is that Hayes, well, he was he he they just he was buried in his what he was wearing in that race. Yeah, yeah, dressed in his racing silks. Yeah, in poor guy. New York, yeah, right near where the it happened in New York. I don't know if we mentioned that at the beginning at Belmont Park. Yeah. Well, Frank, I'm sorry you had a, such a tragic death, but hopefully uh we're doing your legacy right and talking about you here a century later yeah, i'm sure you you'd, you never thought you'd be uh true on the hogline podcast but true um big day for him yeah god bless you frank uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right so do you want to move on to your story first yeah we can go with my story first that jack's really been building up his story of how crazy it is and Mine's not necessarily as crazy. I just wanted to share it here with the listeners because I, th- I think it is uh, pretty pretty crazy how this uh, team is, how bad they are. Okay. <laughs> well, so Go for it. So, yeah, as we mentioned, we don't know each other's stories today, and we were both asked to by each other to come up with a, a story of our own that we thought was pretty bizarre. And uh, I want to tell you guys and Jack a little bit about the Mongolian national baseball team (laughs) okay they are historically bad (laughs) really over the past 30 years okay so the asian games are you familiar with them no it's it's essentially the second largest continental multi-sport event behind the olympics so it's it's just pretty much Essentially, what you think the the Olympics are, but just for like Asian countries. Essentially, okay. what it is, and it, it it's relatively big, you know. Yeah. So, baseball wasn't added until 1994. I don't know when the first one happened. I think it was probably it was in the the 21st century. Some sorry, not the 21st, the 20th century. Sometime uh-huh. probably like maybe I don't know if you want to find out real quick, but 1960s maybe 1970s. So it's relatively new, but baseball added in 1994. Um, so even more recent than that. And somehow, I don't know how, but the Mongolia team qualified. So I guess 1994 up until now, I think that's seven Asian games. Every four years? Yeah, it's every four years. Uh, 94, 98, 02, 06, 2010, 14, 14 18. 18. Yeah. So seven. seven of them. Somehow, I don't know how, considering how bad they are, Mongolia qualified for it three times out of the seven times. Okay. Which still isn't great. You know, it's less than half the time they're, they're making mm-hmm. it. But anyway, so the years they made it were 1994, 2010, and 2014. Okay. Can you guess? At, they play, teams can either play, I think, minimum three games per thing or five to six games. Guess what the total score of those three three games were? So nine games total, three games each time. Yeah, because they they didn't obviously they didn't they don't really play more than three because they're not that good. But 
the total score of the nine games that they played in the Correct, East, in yeah. The, okay. Uh, I'm going to give them, like, I'll give them, like, five runs. Okay. And how many do you think they let up? Uh, I think they're really bad. <laughs> I'll say, like, ten each, five to 90. Is that too much? Way too little. Really? <laughs> Way too little. Wait. Did Okay, am I over for their run scored? Yes. Zero. Three. Three? <laughs> Three? Yeah. To, like, 150. More. Three to... <laughs> <laughs> three to three hundred. No, no. Okay. One hundred eighty-six to three. <laughs> and the three came in the nineteen ninety-four game. So in the twenty ten and twenty fourteen, they didn't score any. So in nineteen ninety-four, they were outscored sixty-one to three. In the three games. Yes. Okay. <laughs> two thousand ten, they were outscored sixty-four to nothing. And then 2014, 61 to nothing. Especially in the 2014 games where they outscored 61 to nothing was particularly terrible. They had two hits the entire time. (laughs) They were no hit twice. Yeah, I was saying the same game. Okay. By China and Pakistan. (laughs) And they committed 15 errors. Oh, in the total. The three games. Okay, I was going to say 51, but still, 15 in three games, awful. And so, with all that being said, this is the last thing I have on them. This is the craziest part about it all. Okay. They have never completed a nine-inning game. Is it a mercy rule? Yes. In oh. fact, they've never even made it past the fifth inning. So mercy rule after five. Oh, so yeah. It's like 10 plus runs. After, I think 20. 20 plus runs after five. <laughs> they've never made it past five innings. <laughs> they've been there nine games. I feel like I could Three play games. Team. I could play on this team. I don't know. It's... uh. 186 to 3. Just the fact that you guessed under half of that. You yeah. guessed half of that. Yeah. To start is your initial guess. And, I mean, that's pretty much all I have. But, I mean, just the fact that they've been that bad yeah. is you, unbelievable. Uh... I, the, the, first, the first fact I came across, which, which piqued my interest even more and allowed me to look into it, was the fact that they've never completed a nine-inning game. Right. I mean, to their defense, Asia is uh, baseball is like kind of big in Asia, right? So still, <laughs> I mean, who <laughs> knows? Who knows? Maybe there are teams in Asia or just countries in general that are worse than them. Because, I mean, they did qualify three times, so maybe there's countries that didn't even qualify I at guess all. So you're right, but I mean, what, they might as well have not even shown up. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> This is definitely wow. piqued my interest. I'm gonna try to pay attention and see if they get some hits. Yeah, yeah. When's the so in 2022 is the next one? Right. We gotta watch somehow. Yeah. Well, they haven't made it since they didn't make it last Asian Games. Oh, right. It was 2014. It was the last time they okay. made it. So, who knows if they've gotten better prospects yeah. or something? Gonna but qualify. Yeah. So that's the Mongolia national baseball team for you, right there. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um. All right. So I guess we'll go, I'll tell you about mine. Uh, it's titled The Richard Riot. The Richard Riot. Yes. Okay. Um, set the scene, set the scene. So this, on March 13th, 1955, Maurice Richard, star 
uh, right wing of the Montreal Canadiens was suspended for the remainder of the season for hitting an official. Okay. What year? Sorry, what year is this again? 1955. Now, prior to this offense, Richard was fined and suspended several times for assaulting players and officials. Okay, so this guy had a major issue. Less than three months prior to the incident, uh, he was fined for slapping a linesman in the face. Okay. Um... I guess how much he was fined in 1955. Oh, what, like 200 bucks? 250 bucks. Wow, that's pretty close. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he literally did this. He, had, he slapped an official three months prior. Um, I guess it's important to note here, he represented a minority ethnic group uh, in the area being a French-Canadian as they were often discriminated against uh, during the 1950s. And some even revered Richard as sort of a pioneer of the sport since he was, like, like a star player. He's, like, pretty dominant. Um, someone, the Jackie Robinson of the NHL. Someone wrote a book about comparing him to Jackie Robinson. Oh, that wow. he represented the possibility for minority groups to be successful in North American sports. Wow. Kind of thought that was a little far-fetched to compare him to Jackie Robinson. Yeah, Jackie Robinson's not... <laughs> He's not hitting officials. Sucker punching an umpire uh, in the yeah. back of the head. So, the incident itself, as I... Uh, prefaced in the beginning uh richard was high-sticked by bruins h-a-l hall or hal laco probably hal hal laco uh in the head during a montreal power play ultimately it required richard to get five stitches in his head so i guess it was a pretty brutal high stick richard took uh officials called a delay penalty on the power play and richard skated up to laco and everyone like anticipated a ho- like a fight, hockey fight, uh, but Richard just started hitting him in the face with a stick. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Okay. <Yeah. laughs> so an official attempted to restrain Richard, but Richard kept breaking away from multiple officials, and eventually broke his stick in half over Laco. Laco, and then he punched an official in the face, knocking the official unconscious. What the hell? Yeah, so that <laughs> he was uh Richard later claimed that he was dazed and confused and thought the official was a Bruins player. Okay. So I don't know if I buy it, but okay. I don't either. Uh so whatever, game I don't even remember what happened. I don't recall reading about the rest of the game. It doesn't even matter. Uh at after the game, Boston police attempted to get into the locker room to arrest Richard. <laughs> But the Canadian players blockaded the door, which prevented an arrest. Okay. And then the Bruins management finally convinced the police officers to leave and promised the NHL would handle it. Did they handle it? So, three days later, March 16th, President NHL President Clarence Campbell held a hearing for Richard and ultimately concluded he'd be suspended for the rest of the regular season and the playoffs. Um, general feeling around the league was that punishment should have been harsher and some league executives of other teams said that uh he should have gotten a life suspension yeah i i honestly think that's probably fair to be honest however many fans in montreal thought the punishment was way too severe (laughs) okay (laughs) and oh some of those fans suggested there were like underlying ethnic prejudices by the english majority towards the the french canadian minority um Enraged Montreal fans then called the NHL head office, which was located in Montreal, and Campbell was getting a lot of death threats. 
people were Montreal Canadian fans were not happy that their star player was out for us this season. Um, because I think the Canadians were good. They were, I mean, they're only like not many, they were like six teams. I still was, I think that was still the original six. So, I mean, whatever. Every year, I guess you're competing. It's, like, competitive. But, like, they were not happy that their best player was out for the rest of the season. Um, hence, riots ensuing. Hence, making severe death threats towards Clarence Campbell. Uh, now, Clarence Campbell stated he would not back down from these death threats. Okay. <laughs> All right. This guy's ready to go to war. And announced his intention to attend the Canadians' next home game as they hosted the Red Wings mm-hmm. on March 17th. Literally the next day, they were hosting the Red Wings in a game that was like in a crucial battle for first place. Why? Why would this guy do that? <laughs> no, It's so dumb. This is a suicide mission. So dumb. All right. So, next day. Game. Did this guy get assassinated at the game? No. Ne- okay. Next day is the game. Hundreds of protesters gather outside the gates of Montreal Forum. That was the name of the stadium, the Montreal Forum. Okay. Hundreds, which quickly grew to 6,000 protesters, were there hours before the game, many attempting to break into the stadium and, like, jumping the gates. Police were present. Uh, but some members of the protests of the 6,000 protesters began to smash windows and throw ice chunks at passing cars. Of course. Um, I don't really know. So that was still before the game. I guess whatever. Maybe it died down. It really didn't die down. But uh, game starts. We're, uh, towards the end of the first period, with the score being 4-1, to one, Red Wings are winning. Okay. <laughs> Not good. Not a good look. Campbell arrives. Oh, he, that, okay, then he gets there. Yeah, he arrives with three secretaries, which one of him, the, the I don't, not even relevant, but it said that one of them he'd later marry. I guess he arrived with three women. <laughs> okay, Campbell thanks for a little anecdote about his future I wife. Know, yeah, so Campbell arrives with three women and was immediately booed by the 15,000 spectators <laughs> in attendance. <laughs> And then some fans began. Some fans started to pelt the pelt gamble with eggs, vegetables, and other various debris for six straight minutes. Six minutes straight of just pelting him. Any they were vegetables in? I don't know. And then fans were trying to approach Campbell, but he was surrounded by police. And this is so stupid. He was surrounded by police, obviously, like, for obvious reasons. One fan convinced the police that he was a friend of Campbell, and he got by the police. <laughs> and then Campbell, I mean, this guy seems like he's a weirdo. Like, Campbell was, like, st- stuck out his hand to, like, shake his hand. Like, I don't know. You didn't recognize the guy, Campbell? He, I don't know. Maybe he's just, like... I was trying to be funny or something. But then when Campbell stuck out his hand, the guy just punched him multiple times. <laughs> He's so ridiculously dumb. And then... Oh, no, I know him. I know him. I know him. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Let him through. Let him through. And then shortly after that, the fan attacked him. Another fan threw a tear gas bomb near Campbell's seat. And then the Montreal Fire Chief had enough and then mandated the game be suspended for the sake of the protection of the fans, and the Montreal Forum was evacuated. Wow. 
We're not done here. So, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Clarence Campbell took shelter in the for- Montreal Forum Clinic. I guess maybe like the health, whatever they have in the stadium. Uh, which I can't imagine. It's a 1955 stadium. I cannot imagine this being big. I don't know. Wherever he's hiding out. He's hiding. Campbell's hiding out there with the Canadians general manager. And in this, cl- in this room, they two wrote a note declaring the Red Wings to be the winner of the game. Like, the game's just over, and the Red Wings won. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, of course the riot didn't end there. <laughs> it continued outside the forum. There were more smashed windows, bystanders being attacked, uh, newsstands ignited, overturned cars, and more than 50 stores within a 15-block radius were looted and vandalized. Oh, my gosh. Riots continued into the night, ended at 3 a.m. Numbers on this, 12 cops and 25 civilians were injured. Roughly 100 people were arrested. And damage estimated to be 100,000, which is about $1 million in today's dollars. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, after that, Richard, Maurice Richard, who this was all about, was reluctant to make a stati- statement because he didn't want uh, to start any in an, another riot, but ultimately did. Uh, he said, <laughs> "He said, keep it going, <laughs> uh, because I always try so hard to win." And uh, keep in mind that he was French. This is translated, so it may sound a little weird. Because I always try so hard to win and had my troubles in Boston, I was suspended. At playoff time, it hurts. Not to be in the game with the boys. However, I want to do what is good for the people of Montreal and the team so that no further harm will be done. I would like to ask everyone to get behind the team and help the boys win from the New York Rangers, beat the New York Rangers and Detroit. I will take my punishment and come back next year to help the club and the younger players to win the cup. Uh, it kind of seemed like that was a PR stunt because he was reportedly still unapologetic. Uh, Richard had a weekly column in a local newspaper, uh, and he called the president, pr- he called President Campbell uh, a dictator. What's the league made him retract his statement and then discontinue his column? <laughs> um, Montreal City Councilor, which I is like I guess equivalent of a mayor, tried to lay the lay the blame of the riot on Campbell, and he wanted Campbell arrested for inciting the riot. Which seemed like a big deal that Mayer made those claims, but his claims ultimately didn't do much. Campbell was not held liable. Yeah, he shouldn't be. I mean, I guess whatever. I don't know if we're almost done or we're in the midpoint here in the story, but no, we're, yeah, keep going. I mean, I've completely side with this Campbell guy. I mean, I, I I agree with the league officials. I mean, this guy should. I side with Campbell that he's like he's not in the wrong. He's just an idiot <laughs> for going to this game. That's absurd. Why, but why did he insist upon doing that? Because he's, I mean, he's wanted to be like a tough guy. Like, I'm not backing down from these death threats. And like, yeah. I think there's no shame in staying away from that game. Yeah, I think you're, you're good. You're good, Clarence. <laughs> um, so I guess that was the uh, end of that. Canadians. <laughs> Vegetables thrown out. <laughs> for six straight minutes. Uh, <laughs> Canadians, they went on to go to the Stanley Cup that season, but lost to the Red Wings in seven games in the 1955 Stanley Cup. However, Richard returned the next season, and the Canadians won five consecutive Stanley Cups. Wow. And then Richard retired after the fifth. Okay. And that is all. The Richard riots. I had yeah. no idea this happened. I just this thought is- that was absurd. <laughs> If you 
Hoglin Nation take anything from that story. I want you to pull out your phone or a stopwatch of some sort and hit a timer <laughs> and and really realize how long six minutes is. Six minutes of getting pelted. That's let's, a, just, let's just throw out other stuff. Let's just, just let's just say that he was getting pelted with vegetables for six straight minutes. Six minutes. That's so long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is the un- nerve of this guy to one first off go to this game and also to three to bring three sec- his secretaries along with him for the ride. <laughs> well, also stupid for the secretaries just to willingly like. Do they not know the circumstances of this event at all? Yeah, they like, live yeah, under I'll a rock. With, I'll, I'll, I'll come with you to this game and get pelted. In. At first, I didn't even realize there was police near him. I'm like, that, that's great bodyguards you brought. Just three secretaries. That's it. <laughs> yeah, but. Oh, yeah, and then the guy tricking the police into walking up to him. That's so stupid, too, yeah. Wow. Okay. That's uh, The Richard Riot. There you go. The Richard Riot. Maurice Richard, right? Maurice Richard, yeah. Hmm. All right, folks. Well, there you have it. I hope you learned something new today. And um, whether it's about the 2000 Spanish Paralympic basketball scandal or... Frank Hayes in the Sweet Kiss of Death, how embarrassingly horrific the Mongolian baseball national baseball team is, or about the Richard riots and how the political and racial climate in Montreal yeah. was severely impacted by yeah, this man. I there, I do a note that actually speaking on that, the, the, at the time there wasn't. Much like, uh, I mean, I did mention, and there was some kind of like underlying ethnic uh, tension, I guess. But the riot ended up taking on greater significance as time passed, symbolizing like a very clear sign and rising ethnic tension in Quebec. But yeah, hmm. that's wow. Yep. All right, folks. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and um, let us know if you come across any bizarre sports stories of your own. We can certainly take a dive into it and at least maybe have a segment on it or something like yeah. that or another player profile if you want if you you know are really interested in, in one particular athlete we can certainly highlight them in an episode and uh maybe even have you on if you're um you know if you want to come on the show and discuss whoever you want to discuss yeah it'd be cool um all right so stay tuned uh in the coming weeks for the uh conclusion of our jeopardy episode see who i will be facing off in the in our championship here um, should be an exciting one. And uh, football season's right around the corner. We got yes. a lot of football content coming for you guys, uh, most notably our NFL season preview, which we will be taking a deep dive onto every team in the league, or as, as deep of a dive as we can. I'm sure it'll be a very long episode, but yeah, um, stay tuned for that. We will give uh, uh, record predictions for every team and, and awards and you know share our thoughts and whatnot. And um, yeah. All right, folks, follow the show on Instagram at Hogline Podcast, and we will catch you next time with another episode. See ya.